This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio Show on Community Radio 3CR during Radiothon, which kicks off today. Uh, Radiothon, it's running from the 4th to the 17th of June. And don't forget that every donation you make keeps Community Radio on air. So if you wish to make a donation, uh, you can go to 3cr.org.au and look for the Donate or Subscribe, or you can um, SMS 0 so again, 0488-930-855. Yes, I got that uh, Radiothon uh, thing in early. Thank you to Democracy Now! for the last hour of current affairs. Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio, a little show about cycling and related transport issues coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. And... My name's Chris. On today's show, got a fair bit lined up. I'm going to be speaking with Rishi Fox, who is uh, going on another ride or another European adventure. And this time, it's different. It's going through uh, the was it the Transatlantic Way in Ireland. So I have a quick catch up with her in a moment. And the interview today, I'm going to have uh, Zoe Conliffe and about um, how we move around our cities. And, you know, from a, from a female-based perspective, from a wayfinding perspective, it's going to be quite interesting what Zoe has to say. Yeah, she was uh, involved with uh, She's a Crowd, Plan International Australia, you know, Foundation for Young Australians. Got quite a bit to say. So I'm going to start off a little bit of news and events. Yesterday was, if you've been uh, paying attention, the uh, first... World Bicycle Day, and it was declared by the United Nations, and that was Sunday the 3rd of June. So yesterday, um, there was a bit of a soft launch of the new Warmless Street Bridge Coalition, and this is a group of people, you know, uh, more or you know, like local groups like Burundara Bicycle Users Group, Yarra Bicycle Users Group, uh, the Warmless Street uh, Action Coalition, um, Burundara and Yarra Councils. And we're trying to get a new fit-for-purpose connection built for all users across the Yarra River from the Abbotsford to Kew. So, what's going on is that we're making a petition towards the Legislative Council of Victoria. So, this petition is probably a little bit different to what you're used to. It's actually a hard copy, so you have to download it, print and sign. So... uh, these will be distributed uh, in the next couple of months. But if you want to go to our website, which is yarrabug.org, uh, the first story up there today is, you know, join the Warmless Street Bridge Coalition. And it'll give you a link straight to that PDF and it'll give you instructions of how to go about it. Basically, you have to print, sign and return. And if you do print this up, it gives you some directions of like, you know, get the completed petition back to the Warmless Street Bridge Coalition, care of 
Richmond Town Hall, that's 333 Bridge Road, um, Richmond, uh, by the 1st of August. Now, if you're aware of uh, the Warmless Street Bridge, it's very old. It's not fit for purpose. There's a few... Well, actually quite a few issues with it in terms of the width, but it's also like there's two separate issues in terms of there is a land bridge that needs to be built and a river crossing that needs to be built. So if you're aware of the queue side, it's very steep. It's prone to, you know, getting leaf litter and washouts and all sorts of things. So we're getting together to ensure that this finally gets fixed up. So the petition text is there on, on the on the website that I just mentioned on yarrabug.org. We've also got a website, I'll start that again, Facebook and Twitter. Everyone's on Facebook and Twitter. So you look up Walmart Street Bridge Coalition and you'll find all that information. So fight for your mic. Ensure that you subscribe or donate to Yarra Bosque Users Group Radio because, you know, it's the only way that this sort of stuff's going to stay on air. So I'm just going to, uh, you know, remind you of Radiothon with this next announcement and then I'm going to play a uh, quick catch-up I did with Rishi Fox. Fight for your mic. 3CR Radiothon 2018, Fight for Your Mic. The sound of the weapon called a microphone. Bring the revolution on. Broadcasting to the early morning. June 4th to the 17th. Fight for your mic. Rebel music on the dance floor. Tell me what you're fighting for because this DJ gonna keep you alive. Forget about your troubles and your nine to five with the rhythm of the pump. This one is not the transcontinental, it's actually another race. So I, I did uh, attempt the transcontinental twice and I realised that doing it a third time probably wasn't a good idea because the limiting factor was the heat and the heat is probably still going to be there. So I've opted for a different race which is called the transatlantic way. Yeah, and it's in Ireland so it's guaranteed not to be too hot. So, the distance. It's two and a half thousand kilometres. It goes from Dublin to Cork. The first stage is from Dublin to Derry, which is a self-routed um, option. And then from there on, we follow what's called the Wild Atlantic Way, which goes around every little inlet throughout the whole coast of the west of Ireland uh, into a headwind. And yeah, <laughs> the Atlantic. Are you doing the ledges of Moy? Yes. Cliffs of Mar, yes, uh, part of it, yeah. It's going to be pretty spectacular. Are you allowed to do that? Because I've noticed um, recently, or the last couple of years, part of that had actually collapsed. Yeah. Um, there's a road that runs alongside of it, which is where we'll be, where we'll be riding, yeah. And the question being, what do you do about bike bags when you've got a really small bike frame? And we're both about the same height, which yes. is about five foot zero. Yes. I have to be quite lethal um, with my pack list. I don't have a lot of space on the bike and I have to be quite creative um, with how to pack everything. It's something that I've honed over the past couple of years, so there has been a lot of changes in how I pack my things. Um, it's really important to think about how you're going to access some of the things that you are going to want on a daily basis and put those in places where it can be reached. And then the things that you aren't going to use as much, I tend to strap underneath my aero bars in a bag so I don't have to take them out. Question being, if you really want to reduce stuff, are you like carrying stuff with you and or are you going to the accommodation? 
I take an emergency bivy bag, I will plan to stay inside. Um, if I can't stay inside, I will plan to ride through. So if you're following and you see me riding through the night, <laughs> we're allowed two nights on the race without a stop. Every other night you have to stop for at least three hours. If I ride through, it means I haven't been able to find anywhere to sleep. I don't tend to sleep very well outside and Ireland is known for a lot of rain. So I've chosen to minimise packing and go light and fast and sleep inside where I can. Yeah, because you're right on the edge there of like the Gulf Stream coming up, so it's a hell of a lot of moisture. Yes. But noticing the time you, you're going, you won't get any early, I think, Atlantic cyclones. It looks or like, uh, having a look at the weather projected forecast, it looks pretty good, and I think we're going to be pretty lucky. At the moment, the start of the race looks to be between 20 to 23 degrees, and it gets warmer as you get uh, further west. Um, there will be days of rain and wind, I'm, I'm certain of it, but I think that we may actually get some sunshine, which will be a blessing. So it'll be really, really beautiful scenery. And cultural highlights? Uh, Guinness. <laughs> and the people in Ireland are, are really lovely. I lived there for a year, 10 years ago, and I'm really looking forward to going back because they are such lovely people and I can't wait to be able to travel the country and see see more of it at a, at a you know, on a bike you see a lot more than you do in a car. So. Yeah, because it's a place that's rapidly changing because we've like, you know, from yes. the Australian thing, just watching the news the last couple of weeks, just been absolutely astounded by the, the rate of change there. Yeah. Like with everything. Oh, it'll be really interesting to see amazing. how yeah, yeah, just to go there and experience what's yeah. happening. And I've not been to Northern Ireland before and I do, I will be passing through Northern Ireland for a few hours, very briefly, but yeah. It'd be good. And the entire distance would be? It's two and a half thousand kilometres, yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of climbing. You're going along the coast, so you're going to be going up and down pretty much constantly. And for the uh, for the viewer, we can watch you on map progress? Or? Yes, okay. yes. So it's the Transatlantic Way, um, and you can follow through there. And um, I've also got a Facebook page um, where I post a lot of things. Well, I won't be, but my partner, Ben, will be posting on my behalf. And also on Instagram as Rad Rishi. You can find me there too. And anything really special you're looking forward to out of this, this next European adventure? My favourite thing about doing these races is just being outside on my bike. And it's, for me, a real sense of freedom that I don't have to do the, the normal everyday activities. And I just get up go and ride my bike and, and just enjoy being alive, really. It's amazing. Yeah. Time is ticking. Spend two minutes to save public housing in Victoria. This week, email david.davis at parliament.vic.gov.au. Ring him on 98276655 and tell him to support the motion to block the government's public housing renewal program planning amendment. For more info, emails and phone numbers, see the Public Housing Defence Network's Facebook page. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR. And that was a quick interview and catch-up I did with Rishi Fox. Catch up with her on Facebook, which is Rishi Fox Endurance Cycling Adventures. Okay, next on the line, I've got Zoe. Hello, Hi Zoe. There. Thank you for being available this morning. Thanks for having me. Do you want to give uh, a bit of an introduction to like what you do and uh, kind of some recent events you've been, you know, you know, things that you're involved with? Yeah, sure. So um, currently, I'm um, the CEO and founder of She's a Crowd, which is um, a startup that I'm running that basically um, gathers female stories um, for data that helps 
people that make decisions about our cities, um, spaces and services make better decisions um, in the interests of women specifically. So a lot of this is around um, gender inequality and gender-based violence. Um, so I guess I have a background um, working in gender advocacy, um, specifically with Fine International. I was involved in the Free to Be project, which some people might remember um, from the Melbourne pilot in 2016, where we uh, rolled out a map that allowed women to pinpoint the spaces in Melbourne that made them feel safe and the spaces that made them feel unsafe. Um, and this basically meant that we built a data set um, of experiences, uh, female experiences in the city of Melbourne that allowed then decision makers from the city of Melbourne to metro trains, um, to engineering companies, universities, make better decisions about how they prevent violence occurring against women and make cities more inclusive as well. And um, this was following on from the work of um, a company called Crowdspot that you've probably heard of that um, yeah. did the Bike Spot project. And yeah, so it was quite similar to that. Yeah. Yeah, because that's. And we, and we worked with Crowdspot to do that. It's quite important that these mapping things are done because invariably, you know, with moving around your city, people. I don't know, just from a general perspective, we get used to certain things and invariably there's times when that's not normal. We should not contend with things that, well, you know, we don't have access to or I don't feel like going there. And that translates Absolutely, into yeah. cycling as well, as well as just having free movement around your city. It does. And I think um, with the female experience in particular, we get used to uh, these things. They become very normalised. So we think... I'm not going to complain about that. I'm not going to report it. I'm not even going to, you know, think about it again because I'm actually used to um, this kind of experience. But what it's doing is every single day it is actually telling you that you shouldn't access that space or you shouldn't do that. And cycling is a really interesting example of this. I work in this space a lot, but I also cycle um, every day as a woman in Melbourne. Um, and so I most of my street harassment experiences are actually when I'm on a bike because that's how I get around and so I've, I've been told to smile which is actually something that 44% of young women have said that they've experienced when out and about in Australia um, and I've been followed home while I'm on my bike by men in a car yelling at me um, and yeah, yelling you know all sorts of things out at me and I've been stepped in front of deliberately, barked at, you know, catcalled, all sorts of crazy things. And so I think, you know, it's easy to... to I, I kind of used to have this approach of thinking it's normal, you've just got to grit, grit your teeth and kind of get, kind of get through the day. Um, but it's actually not normal and it's not okay. And I think what it's telling women is that they don't, you know, they don't have the same right to access space and especially with cycling that translates into only half of cyclists in Melbourne being women. Yeah well depending upon the area I think inner um, our participation rates uh, between gender would be better. Outer it turns into a bit of more of a you know, survivalist sort of thing mm -hmm. and it's not the way it should be and if we want or should if I should I rephrase it um, we need our cities to be more inclusive and more, you know, put bluntly, more enjoyable. 
to, right. to move yeah. around in. And, uh, what and was, we talk yeah. about, yeah, we talk about Melbourne being the most livable city in the world. Um, and I asked, Liverpool for who? I think that women act as a bit of a canary in a coal mine for these issues. If we can really understand what goes on for people that, you know, are marginalised a bit more, um, we can actually make cities better and more inclusive for everybody. Yeah, so so what were some of the things you would have, you know, part of these projects, uh, kind of initiatives to make things better? You know, it, yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, um, well, I've been involved in, obviously, I, I think that one of the biggest barriers to making things better is um, the lack of understanding of the, the, the community experience, so how things actually look and feel for people that actually move around these spaces. And so we've found that doing crowd mapping projects um, and data collection on these things is really, really helpful because you're not only collecting data, but you're also involving the community in a conversation that is ongoing and that then leads to preventative change on behalf of decision makers for the community members. And this is what I would ask Sally Cap to look into doing because I know that, you know, this week she's come out and said that she wants to improve cycling and cycling is actually going to be a mainstream priority for um the, the city of Melbourne, and she's also said that she wants women to uh, she wants to increase the amount of women cyclists. And so I think that you know something that really needs to be looked at is how are you going to collect information about what the community really wants and what the community you know experiences as barriers to accessing those spaces and those services. Um, before you can move forward with some tangible change. And that's the kind of thing that I do. So um, I've just launched my company, She's a Crowd, which is, yeah, as I said, a digital storytelling platform. We work with people like the City of Melbourne, for example, to basically design a project that allow, that's based around the kind of information they want to collect. And then we use our storytelling platform to open it up to the community. They then tell their stories. And this is specifically for women to share their stories of, you know, in, um, inequalities and um, harassment and violence and things like that. Um, and then basically that provides insight for um, our customers into how the, you know, uh, these experiences are taking shape um, in the community. And then hopefully um, will lead to implementation of some changes. Yeah, well, that's the first step is listening. So, therefore, silence doesn't become normalised and, and just putting up with, you know, unacceptable or barriers to just simply moving around. Because you just mentioned there mm. Sally Cap, who is the new female Lord Mayor of Melbourne. And she did a series of interviews last week with uh, Nick uh, Francis Gilly, who were interviewed on the show last year. Quite interesting. I mean, there's you know, a huge story there of you know, how, you know, the uh, election came about. But the, the change in narrative and things that are happening around the city of Melbourne, uh, do you see, like, this being something positive? Because at the moment we have a state government who seem to be quite retrogressive in what they want to do for cycling and or lip service. Mm. Do you see, like, a, a role for, um, you know, like, a Lord Mayor or a major uh, council coming out with these things like they want to see or they want to implement? better infrastructure and better conditions. Yeah, I think it's really, really encouraging to hear that 
you know, cycling has to be a priority for the infrastructure of Melbourne because it's the only way that we can really move forward. We've obviously got a booming population here and um, cycling has so many benefits and it should be put up the top of the list rather than as a kind of a optional nice-to-have extra. And it's yes. really good to see that, um, yeah, that the the conversation's changing more towards centralising cycling as, you know, a priority and that's great. Um, but I would say that it's not enough to say that you'd like to see more female cyclists. I think, I guess, first of all, I would say that to increase, you know, the amount of cycling, we need to increase um, it, it in an inclusive way. So yeah. we're not just increasing the amount of uh, lycra cyclists there are, for example. We're also increasing the amount of people that can take their kids. Yeah, because school to preschool, they can take you know they can wear a skirt and ride a, a lady's bike slowly to work if they want to. What if if they don't have facilities that they work at their work, they can ride you know in a variety of ways in a variety of places, not just if they live in a city, for example. And so we really need and we need to be thinking about gender and we need to be thinking about you know diversity in that. So how are we providing access across the board? We can't just say we want to see more female cyclists. It, we need to be listening to what are the barriers for female cyclists? What are they actually experiencing as barriers? And I could name a few off the top of my head that I experienced at, like, that are quite gender-specific, and I think that we need to be listening to those first and then thinking about how we can make it more accessible. Yeah, because uh, in uh, there was an article in the Age last week about you know it just touches upon like um, there's yeah you know, nice statements and nice sweeping statements have been said over the years, but in the city of Melbourne the bicycle budget was stagnant, um, cycling for uh-huh. transport was still seen as a fringy sort of thing, and it's not. And the yep, difference is right. that you know Sally Cap, yeah, she has first hand experience of overseas of what um, is happening in yeah, major capital cities, right. which previously didn't occur and uh, I, I was at uh, I think City of Melbourne I've got a um, an, um, discussion paper at the moment and I think on their participation website mm. that uh, you can go to and give them um, give feedback on I'll put that into the podcast it's like Melbourne dot participation thing you know when you do the um, yeah but the, the participation I, yeah surveys kind of yeah yeah I, I would definitely recommend everyone um, participate in that if you if you had any thoughts on you know the way that things could be improved. I'd like to see a bit of transparency with that. I think, and it would be great to see really how that's being turned into how that's being implemented. Um, I guess, but I think it is good because when anyone who's travelled overseas um, to various cities in Europe, you can see how different the cycling culture is there, and you know what we could act, the opportunities that we have in a city like Melbourne to achieve that great to see that you know um the funding is kind of going to be coming through and it's going to be made more of a priority yeah because uh, also i'm just making reference to the article last week was you know written by jonathan nolan who you know is a spokesperson for melbourne bicycle users group so again uh mm. you know we're getting out there and you know we've got a radio show you know people write articles there's like a lot of push towards what's been a momentum in the over a decade and a half towards different ways of moving around or giving people um, or you know, opportunities or options to mm-hmm. move around their city. Mm-hmm. But the, again, as you're saying with the projects you've been involved with, there are barriers mm-hmm. and silencing that's been going on that, that we is, need to break yeah. through. That is. And I think, um, 
Yeah, cycling's an interesting one. It go it um these kinds of experiences are um so common. So so common. I mean, women talk among themselves, we know that this happens, but I think when you see it all on a map and you see hundreds or thousands of spots on a map that says this is what we're experiencing, this is like just you can see how common it is. Yes. And I think we need to start um there is a lot of silence. It is an invisible layer of experience. I think um, I've had a lot of conversations with cyclist friends about this where um, men have said, oh, I've never experienced any problems like cycling around. And this, and I, and I know some men have, and that um, obviously happens and everything. But I, I've heard a lot of women say, you know, I've experienced it, but it's invisible. You know, a lot of the people that don't experience it would never know what happened. And so when we create you know, a crowd mapping tool, we're actually creating a visible layer of experience. We're kind of bringing that up, you know, <laughs> um, out of, you know, the darkness and showing everyone that this is what happens. It's not okay and we want to do something about it. Yeah, well, you go from like being, feeling like you're the only one who feels this and you feel awkward, you feel um, all those things of like, you know, can I, am I allowed to speak out? Am I allowed to say something? Because, yeah, we, inter- mm. we internalise these things. And, we do. Yeah, yeah. and uh, having it as simple as, you know, in some type of data form, mm. you go, oh, it wasn't me and it is an issue. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of things, there's a lot of similarities here between, you know, um, things being marginalised and then, you know, being changed and progressive things coming into the mix and that situation changing, which pertains to women in cycling and cycling right across the board. Mm-hmm. That's right, Yeah. Well, it's a really powerful thing to start thinking, oh, it's not just me. Yeah. Um, I'm not alone in this. And then to seeing that your voice can actually be one of many in influencing change. I would be really keen to talk to Sally Cap about how we could work together to um, have start having this conversation but have it on a community level. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not just like it's, oh, that uh – that uh, workshop or consultations occurred, we'll tick that off and there's no legacy from yep, that. We right. want we want to see things move on in, in you know, into infrastructure. We want to see it moved into budgeting, you know, or I should say budgeting that's for infrastructure. Right. You know, that's, yeah. 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 And so, um, yeah. I think, yeah, we don't just want another government consultation. We want to be kept in the loop and yeah. to be involved along that journey. Yeah, because... Uh, I think from experience, many of us have been involved with workshops and consultation and meetings and you see like a couple of months down the line, a couple of years down the line, there's no legacy from it. And this is where Mm. we've got to have fundamental change. It's not just a a tick the box process and forget about it. That's right. And that's what I'm trying to do with She's a Crowd. Yeah. So do you want to give uh, just just in closing a bit about what you're doing now and how can people get in contact with you? Yeah. So, um, I'm running She's a Crowd, which is my startup. So basically, um, currently launching and looking for pilot customers. So we're happy to work with anyone that wants to reach out to their community and um, basically address gender-based violence and gender inequalities and um, do that through data collection and storytelling. I'm happy to chat about it. Um, also, um, you can visit the website www.she'sacrowd.com. Um, and get in touch with any feedback as well. I'm really open to, to chatting. So, Great. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time today, Zoe. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
Okay. And I'll put all your details into the podcast so people can get in touch with you or help out with uh, She's a Crowd. Perfect. Thank you so much. Bye. Right for long-term detained refugees. Sunday, 17 June from 10 a.m. This event is organized to show solidarity and support for refugees detained long-term by the Australian government. So come ride your bike or join us at the gathering spots from 10 a.m. at Kobeck Town Hall, 11 o'clock at Princess Park, 12 o'clock at Melbourne Museum or 2 o'clock at Albert Park. You can also look up online at rideforrefugees2018.wordpress.com. Ride for Refugees is a 3CR supporter. Thank you too, Zoe, for making time to speak today about, you know, simply being able to move around your city and some of the barriers that invariably we encounter and those things that we can do to change that. So I'll put all the details to She's a Crowd and also that uh, a link to the story last week that was in The Age done by Jonathan Nolan about Sally Cap and Nick Francis Gillies, who, yeah, it's, it's fascinating what's happening at a council level but not happening at a state level. Anyway, fight for your mic, support Yarrabog Radio during 3CR Radiothon 2018, you know. So you can celebrate everything you love about riding your bike by making a donation to 3CR Community Radio and the Yarra Bike Radio Show to keep us on air for another year. You can go to uh, 3cr.org.au forward donate or there's a Give Now thing you can go straight to. It's givenow.com, and I haven't got the link right in front of me, but basically it's uh, Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio on 3CR supporting the Community Radio Federation's donation fund. I'll put that into the podcast, but if you look up Give Now and Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio, you should be able to come to it. And did you realise this is our 10th year on air? We first went to air in 2008, and uh, we've been sharing stories since then. So, you know, shared stories, whether it be about a new bike path, you need to get to work, school safety, about your bikepacking adventures, the handmade custom frame you've been building, rad new event you've created, all the stylish clothing and accessories you've uh, designed and some very, very long-term uh, advocacy things that we've been covered on the show as well. If you if you want us to go on sharing them for another year of awesome live bicycle radio, so yeah, make that donation no matter how small and do your bit to keep us and your stories on air. So big thanks from the team. We've already got some donations thus far. Next week is our Radiothon show. It'll be a full hour from uh, 10 to 11 next week. Please go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. We've got around about um, $1,200 we've got to make as a donation and it'd be really nice if you could help us uh, make that donation or make that target, I should say. Every show has a target to make. You know, the station doesn't rely upon government grants or any, you know, sort of thing that, uh, you know, other radio stations you may think of. This is 100% community radio. So that's all I've got time for this week. Uh, The podcast should be up uh, later today. Thanks to Rishi and Zoe for today's interviews. Podcast should be up at 3cr.org. No, I should start that again. That's my favourite phrase for today. I should start that again. But uh, 3cr.org.au forward slash Yarrabug. 
or you can go to our website, which is yarrabug.org forward slash radio. Just go to your, whatever your podcast client of choice is and you can listen to us there. We're also on TuneIn, iTunes and a whole bunch of ways to listen to Yarrabuzka User Group Radio. Yeah, so up next is Jailbreak and after that will be Black Block. And I hope you enjoy the rest of Monday. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.